Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, beginning with the seventh verse. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I will tell you, God is able from these stones to rise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What should we do? In reply he said to them, Whomever, whomever has two coats must share them with anyone who has none. Whomever, whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, What should we do, teacher? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed to you. Soldiers asked him, And what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money in anyone by threats or false accusations, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation of all and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Magi. John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork in his hand to clear the threshold floor and to gather the wheat into the, his granary, but the chafe he will burn with uncrenchable fire. So many other exhortations he proclaimed, the good news to the people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's be with God in prayer for just a moment. Holy One, we inch forward, eagerly hoping to hear a word for our lives today. Give us grace, grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which can be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. Amen. Good morning, you brood of vipers. <laughs> you brood of vipers. What an interesting text for Joy Sunday. <laughs> Being called a brood of vipers, it doesn't feel like a joyful message at all. John the Baptist is like that one drunk uncle that always shows up and unannounced at the holiday party. And he keeps interrupting everyone's holiday cheer with all of his conspiracy theories. <laughs> you know that guy. You know him, Uncle Johnny. And yet the reading insists that this is somehow good news. How is this possible? Well, maybe if you are among those without a coat or if you struggle to put food on the table, or if you can't pay the late fees on your utilities bill, 
or if you get harassed by the police because of the color of your skin, then you might be saying, yes, this is good news. Thank you, John. Finally, someone sees me. Someone is addressing my pain. But is John's message good news for those of us who have privilege, those of us who have power? If we were asked to give up our privilege, would it feel like good news to us? For the people who are being baptized by John that day, yes, it did feel like good news. And here's why. They showed up. You see, John wasn't in the city in the marketplace preaching and baptizing he was in the wilderness and so people had to make an effort to come out there they were longing for something else tax collectors and soldiers and others came to this dangerous place this wild place desperately looking for a different way of life they were there and john saw that And so he seized the moment and warned them if they were only getting baptized because they were afraid of the wrath of God, that wasn't the right motivation. Baptism wasn't one and done. It wasn't this get clean scheme to God's judgment. Water isn't enough. A total change of heart is what was needed. And so John insisted that neither baptism nor kinship with Abraham would protect them. And likewise, we can't rely on church membership or how we are known in the community or any other external privileges. We need to show up to and join John in preparing the way of the Lord. Those people were hungry. And so they asked, what should we do? Even after those harsh words, you brood of vipers, they were willing to do something to open the door for the Emmanuel. And so John fleshed out his message in a way that was super simple and down to earth. Share your extra coat. Take your excess food and feed someone else. And no matter what your work, whether it's a tax collector or a soldier or anything else in between, do your work with integrity. And notice he didn't say to the tax collector, stop colluding with the government and become a social worker instead. He only told them to stop cheating people. Now, granted, this is the way in which the the tax collectors were paid, but John was urging them to make money in a more honest way. Likewise, he didn't tell those soldiers to go AWOL. Even though the soldiers were the greatest enemy of John's people, even though they would eventually carry out the destruction of the temple, John lovingly held up that mirror to them. They were called out for using fear to threaten and manipulate people into giving them what they wanted. John told those soldiers to just do your job. Do the job that you are given. Protect and serve. And be content with the compensation that you receive. Repentance, it's something that John talks about a lot. Repent, which means to turn, was super simple for John the Baptist. Don't hoard, don't cut corners, don't manipulate. 
The secular world teaches us to get ahead no matter what. But John offered another choice, another path. John was saying that the world is not as it seems. We aren't to do acts of justice out of fear or to earn God's favor or to even make ourselves feel better about our privileges and what we have. We do these things because it actually makes sense that God cannot enter a cluttered, self-serving, and self-centered life. We must clear the way, preparing the way for Christ to enter and eventually transform us. And our lives will show evidence of this. Yes, this is good news for the oppressed and the oppressor because we are all a part of systems that run on haves and have-nots. So, so difficult to trust it. But by doing justice for others, we are freed too. There is freedom available for everyone when we draw near to justice. The way out that John is proposing is risky and not always pleasant, but it's possible. This week, Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's former attorney, pled guilty to a series of federal crimes. This may seem hard to believe, Cohen told the court this week, but today's one of the most meaningful days of my life. The irony is today is the day I get my freedom back. I have been leading a personal and mental incarceration ever since the fateful day that I accepted the work for a famous real estate mogul whose business acumen I admired. When I read his statement to the court in the New York Times this week, I felt strangely joyful. And not because a bad guy was going to jail, but because this man is a man that profits from the system of inequity. This system was built for guys like him. And yet, even on the oppressor's side, he described feeling incarcerated by it. Michael found no satisfaction, no contentment in his privilege and power. Now, you might be someone who does not believe Michael's words, and that's fine. After all, Cohen's crimes did involve some lying. But I, for one, still believe. I still believe in God's justice. I believe that repentance is possible. I know it's naive to believe such things. But I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen addicts get sober. I've seen convicts be loving fathers. I've seen frightened victims of sexual assaults find their voice and fiercely look their abusers in the eye. I've seen lives turn. The fruit worthy of repentance is almost always found in the expression of joy. Now, perhaps you are still one that can't get over that razor-edge judgment of drunk Uncle Johnny. There's a tension between joy and judgment this Advent, but it is theologically instructive for us. You see, judgment is not about final punishment. To judge is to see something as it is. Is this good news? 
The answer depends on what you think you are and what you think God will see. On the days when I think I'm a horrible human being, the idea of being seen by God is dreadful, even terrifying. But Advent insists that God doesn't see what is horrible about us. God sees us as we are, not as we think we ought to be. The judgment of God can be found in the book of Genesis, where God creates humanity and says, you are good. You are so very good. If that judgment does not bring you joy, I don't know what will. And I'll tell you what, if we're uncomfortable with John's message, we're not ready for Jesus yet. Don't hoard, don't cheat, don't bully. It's a pretty low bar, right? The message will only get harder from here. John brought water, but Jesus will bring the fire, not the fire of eternal damnation, but the fire of refinement. The fire of stars in our dark nights. The fire of shining light on the things that we do not want to look at. The fire that burns the chaff. That isn't who we are anyway. The fire of justice for our poor, tortured souls. And so, today's joy is held together by the fact that we are seen by a God that put skin on and moved into the neighborhood to become our brother. When God draws near to us as one of us, we are fully seen. And what God will see is good. It is good. You are good for this. May we rejoice in the Lord always. The Lord is so very near. Rejoice. Rejoice. Amen.